Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Monday, March 7th, 2022. We finished our Old Testament survey, um, the text from the Old Testament that we read here at the beginning of the school year. Now we, for the rest of the school year, we look at gospel readings. In particular, we're going to uh, jump into about the middle of John's gospel and get us up to Holy Week. And then for Holy Week, we'll, for the Holy Week readings, I should say, uh, in a couple weeks, we'll jump into Luke's gospel. All right. So it seems a little disconnected from where we left off Friday. That's because it is. <laughs> well, and like I said, Friday. We'll catch a few of those readings that we missed, Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, we'll catch those at the end of the summer. All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our memory verse for this week, we say together. My words shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Isaiah 55, verse 11. Our psalm this week, Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment that is written. This is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, our first reading today is from Isaiah chapter 12. And in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and my song, and he also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day you will say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the peoples. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. There ends the reading. All right, so there w- therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Right, that's the reason why this was chosen for day, as you'll see in a minute. <laughs> John chapter 7. 
On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem, where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? They answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. All right. So key here, what does Jesus say in the temple on the last day of the feast? This is the Feast of Tabernacles, by the way. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. All right. This is an incredible uh, statement, right? Um, the connection to the feast would be uh, important if we go back and look at, unfortunately, John 1 through 24, which we haven't read, um, but I'll just pull it up here on this end and I'll give you some idea. Um, let me see here. Yeah, he has this whole series of questions, right? Um, and the question that's been going, the context here is they've been arguing about whether or not he is the Christ, right? So the connection to the feast is, is he the Messiah? Is he the one that will set them free, right? And of course, um, what are they thinking of since it's during this feast? They're thinking about the water of libation that would be uh, poured out, all right? Um, you could see this back, well, I mean, the Feast of Tabernacles, you have to really go back to Leviticus 23 for that. Um, so let me just give you a little bit of it, all right? So speaking of water, early in the morning after the burning of the daily sacrifice, there was always a libation of wine, but during the feast, a libation of water was also poured out on the altar. A procession of pilgrims went down to the spring of Siloam, um, see John 9, with the priest who was bearing a large golden ewer or pitcher. The priest drew water from Siloam and returned to the great crowd that awaited him at the water gate leading into the inner court. While some priests blew the trumpets, the others chanted the words of Isaiah 12, verse 3, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Other priests had arranged willow branches around the altar. The priest with the ewer lifted it high and then poured it into a silver container above the altar that had a spout trained upon the altar. The Levites gathered around the altar with willow branches and sang the psalms of praise. When they reached the words of Psalm 118.25, Save us, Hosanna, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. The entire congregation joined in singing. All right. So uh, the background here is really that spring of Siloam or uh, of Silo, right? And also then the feasts. Um, you'll see, of course, this play out later at the, um, when Jesus enters into the holy city again on the third Passover, right? Now, the spring of Gihon 
is what opened into a basin known as the Upper Pool, which was the principal water source for Jerusalem. This is connected back to Isaiah again, 8 and 7 and 8 as well. So we have 7, 8, and 12 all being brought to bear here. Who had prophesied the birth of Emmanuel from a virgin. Ahaz had not believed the word of the Lord, and the people had rejected the waters provided by the Lord and would be drowned by the waters of the king of Assyria. Isaiah 8, verse 6. Their true hope was to be found in Emmanuel, who would be hiding his face from the house of Jacob. Isaiah 8, verse 16 and 17. He would be a sanctuary, a stone of offense, and a rock of stumbling, but would bind the testimony and seal the teaching of the disciples. The Jews would be called back to the testimony and the word, but would be thrust into thick darkness. This is all in Isaiah and Nehemiah 3, by the way. Thus, the rejection of Emmanuel would lead to darkness instead of light celebrated in the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles. During the days of Hezekiah, the pool's old outlet was sealed up and the waters brought inside the city walls for, a time, for the time of siege. These waters were gathered in a reservoir called the Pool of Siloam. By the way, um, the archaeological evidence of the pool that they today think is Siloam it pretty much confirms it. So we actually have this pool yet. The pool's waters did not prevent the fall of Jerusalem, but Israel would long to draw water from this well as a sign of the Lord's salvation. All right, so this is a pool of Siloam, and you have the gathering of water from that pool being poured out on the altar. This is all happening. Um, all that context, historical context and liturgical context is, is behind the statement of Jesus, a simple statement, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. All right. Um, this is why it's important for us to um, read, learn, mark, and inwardly digest the Old Testament so that we can properly understand the New Testament, not just in a um, simple spiritual metaphorical sense, but actually in a historic um, liturgical context as well. All right. So the water of libation that would be poured out, um, when would that happen by Jesus as high priest? Yeah. John 19, when his side is pierced at his crucifixion. All right, and blood and water come out from his side. Um, then what does Jesus promise to those who believe in him? Verse 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Why does he say this? Well, he, he tells you right there, he gives you the cue. As the scripture has said, what scripture might he be referring to? All right, here we go. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation, right? So Isaiah 12, verse Three, maybe even two, the Messiah song here, right? For Yah the Lord, Emmanuel, is my strength and song. He has become my salvation, and it's connected to water. Um, I think there might be another text I'm being brought to bear here, too. John is heavily dependent upon Ezekiel, not only in John's gospel, but also John's apocalypse, Revelation. Um, so, for example, Ezekiel, tw not 12, 47, there we go. Maybe you know this text. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the, for the front of the temple faced east, the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around to the outside of the outer gateway that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters, the water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through, and the water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep. 
water in which must one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. When I returned there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, The water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed, and it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go will live. So we have water and life being connected here. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to Engalim. They will be there will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be the same kinds of fish as the great sea, exceedingly many. Right? So think of John's gospel uh, after the resurrection, right, where they gather 100, 153 fish. But its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Along the bank of the river, on the side, and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not f- fail. They will be or they will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. Mm, like aloe, aloe leaves, right? You can see all this come to bear um, in like Revelation 22 with the river of life there, right? The healing of the nations. The trees were for the healing of the nations. All right. So uh, lots of background here. Okay. Uh, what is Jesus indicating to those who are there for the feast then? I mean, what's he really getting after here? He's, he, uh, again, quoting Ezekiel and thinking of Isaiah 8, he is the sanctuary promised by Isaiah as the true Emmanuel, God with us. And he would pour out waters of life upon them, much as the rock in the wilderness had provided water uh, when they had lived in tabernacles or booze, right? In the Exodus. And what was the living water that would flow out from their hearts? Thankfully, John tells us (laughs) explicitly here. Yeah, the Holy Spirit, right? It would be poured out when Jesus was glorified, that is, when he was crucified. Uh, if you remember our Bible study through the book of John, it took us about a year and a half. Um, this is a repeated theme over and over in John's gospel. The glorification of Jesus is when he's lifted up on the pole, all right? That is, when he's crucified. Um, Jesus has mentioned living water before, and that was back in John 4. Um, I think we mentioned that a few weeks ago when we were reading through well, maybe it was Ezekiel. I can't remember. Right? And that's the Samaritan woman at the well. This isn't the first time that the Spirit has been mentioned and attached to water as well in John's Gospel. Uh, you might think of John chapter 3, right? When he's talking to Nicodemus about being need the need to be reborn by water and the Word and Holy Baptism or, or water and the Spirit. So see John 3, um, 5 through 6. And of course, Nicodemus will be mentioned again just after the water came flowing out of the side of Christ, and he shows up with Joseph of Arimathea uh, to help prepare Jesus' body for burial. All right, we'll talk more about Nicodemus in a moment. All right, um, now what were some saying about all of this? I mean, obviously it's remarkable. And they make the connection. The crowd heard, they're saying, truly this is the prophet, and others said, this is the Christ. They know their scriptures, Isaiah 8, all right? Um, but what were, saying, what were some saying to argue that he was not the Christ. Well, they know their scriptures. Again, Micah, right? He'll be born in Bethlehem of Judea. Uh, so Jesus comes from Galilee. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Right? You know, all those identity questions based off of geography. Of course, we know where he was born. Um, what do some then want to do to him? 
Yeah, they want to take him to imprison him or worse. Uh, but no one laid hands on him. That's a key phrase, to lay hands on him. Yeah, what's the significance of them wanting to lay hands on Jesus? Again, in view of all these activities of the of the um, of the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, which I gave you, tried to give you a lot of background today. Yeah, they would lay hands on something. It was actually on the sacrifices that they would offer at the temple. They bring their sacrifices with their hands, right? So again, we're connecting Jesus not only to the priest, not only to the waters of libation, the pool, of, the healing of the pool of Siloam, the calling of the Messiah, the Christ, but also of the sacrifices offered on this day. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. Uh, why hadn't the officers brought Jesus then? They answered, right? No man ever spoke like this man. Of course, what does the what do the Pharisees then say about the crowds? Yeah, they call them a curse. They actually curse the crowds because they refuse uh, to reject Jesus. Isn't that something? All right. And then here's Nicodemus. As we said, he appears again. This is his second time we'll see him. And then, of course, the third time is after Jesus' death. All right. First time was when he came by night, and Jesus has that long um, catechesis on baptism, John chapter 3, about the need to be reborn by water and the Spirit. All right, so you see, out of you will flow rivers of living water, speaking of the Spirit, again, given to you in baptism. Now we have Nicodemus. Um, Nicodemus picks up, and so you can kind of see the progression of faith here happening. Um, He's kind of in between, right? He says, um, you know, we're judging him prematurely before giving him the opportunity to speak and to know what he's doing, all right? So um, this, of course, is uh, something that we're all, in our zeal, um, anxious to do, is to condemn, to well, to accuse and condemn, um, and to never hear both sides of the story. We can think of world conflicts, a particular one happening, you know, right now uh, in Eastern Europe, where um, neither side is really listening to each other, and the international people involved are... Uh, as rightly siding with the aggressor, or siding against the aggressor, but also not listening to the aggressor. Um, and that's not a recipe for resolution. It's a recipe for escalation. Um, so you might want to do a little better job, do a little better job listening um, to understand what he's doing. Um, and then maybe you can actually respond in a way that will de-escalate, right? It's always true in conflict. You have to listen. If you refuse to listen, um, there's not going to be any peace. So Nicodemus seems to be somewhere in between there, right? Um, but of course, the Pharisees now mock Nicodemus. Huh? So rather than listen to him, they're actually pushing him further away, right? They accuse him of being from Galilee. Look at that. Verse 52. And no prophet had come from Galilee, which actually is true. Of course, Jesus comes from Bethlehem. All right, so let's summarize this now. Jesus stands up in the midst of the temple as the new temple from whom living water will be poured out upon the nations of the earth. The many sacrifices of the feast would find their completion and fulfillment in his death, when the water would flow from with blood from his side. Wherever this water of baptism goes, the Spirit of the Son goes with it, to bring life to all the fish in the river of salvation. These fish are surely those who have been drawn in by the word connected to the water in the rebirth of at the well of salvation, that is, the baptismal font. He is the true seed of David, who comes to build a better temple than the first son of David. The people gather from the north and the south, east and west, to be united at the temple, in the temple of his body, by the life-giving waters of the Spirit and baptism. These wa- or those waters flow forth from the hearts of the faithful as they daily abide in Jesus, living in the baptismal life of repentance and forgiveness of sins that produces the fruit 
of love for God and one another. All right, very good. New catechism for this week, of course. Moving along to the bishops, pastors, and preachers. Say it with me. The overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. We pray. O Lord Jesus, you are the bishop and overseer of our souls. You are the Lord of the harvest and have commanded us to pray for the gift of pastors, to preach the gospel and shepherd your church. Raise up men for the office of holy ministry who are above reproach, the husband of but one wife, who are temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach your life-giving word. Deliver all pastors from the self-centered vices of the flesh. Grant them your grace to manage their families well and to bring up their children in the true faith with proper respect and devotion to the word of God. Give them courage to hold firmly to the trustworthy message of the gospel as it has been handed down to them and the wisdom to refute those who oppose it. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. We pray, O Lord God, you led your ancient people through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. Guide the people of your church that following our Savior, we may walk through the wilderness of this world toward the glory of the world to come. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray today for faith to live in the promises of holy baptism, for vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, for the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our homeschools, our colleges and seminaries, and for good government and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray today in Thanksgiving with Jeremy, who celebrates his birthday. We pray for our households, that of Sarah, Chelsea, Joan, Gary and Barb, Don and Jean, and Tara. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Bev, Kelsey, Amanda, Dan, Brad, Timothy, and Janice. Ken, Norm, Kathy, Jim, Mike, and Donna. Our homebound Bev, Willis, Ed, Mickey, and Paul. We pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially Camp Luisimo. We pray in intercession for our relatives and the benefactors of our church. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Today is a commemoration, and that is of Perpetua and Felicitas. At the beginning of the 3rd century, the Roman Emperor Septimus Severus forbade conversions to Christianity. Among those disobeying that edict were Perpetua, a young noblewoman, and her maidservant, Felicitas. Both were jailed at Carthage in North Africa along with three fellow Christians. During their imprisonment, Perpetua and Felicitas witnessed to their faith with such conviction that the officer in charge became a follower of Jesus. After making arrangements for the well-being of their children, Perpetua and Felicitas were executed on March 7, 203. Tradition holds that Perpetua showed mercy to her captors by falling on a sword because they could not bear to put her to death. The story of this martyrdom has been told ever since as an encouragement to persecuted Christians. All right, let us pray. Lord Jesus, prepare us for that eternal Sabbath when you will rest in us, just as now you work in us. The rest that we shall enjoy will be yours, just as the work that we do now, that we now do is your work done through us. But you, O Lord, are eternally at work and eternally at rest. It is not time that you see or in time that you move or in time that you rest 
yet you make what what we see in time. You make time itself and the repose which comes when time ceases. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. Yesterday was uh, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness by the devil. Uh, it's appropriate then that we hear uh, a hymn for St. Michael and all angels. This is um, the hymn of the day for that day. Um, but uh, it works within the context, right? Because we can hear about Michael's overthrow in heaven, and then we can hear about Jesus also overthrowing him finally uh, upon the earth. Okay? We sing. Jesus came this word fulfilling, 
upholds Satan, death defied. For the brunt for our temptation, on the wretched tree he died. Yet to life was raised victorious, by his life our life supplied. All right, we'll leave it at that. Uh, this week our goal is to... Uh, even commit to memory stanzas one through four, so let's work on that. But you can see how it all binds together, not only uh, the ancient battle, which is told to us uh, by Jesus in John 12, but also by John, I think, in Revelation 15, if I remember right, um, kind of filling in some backstory. And then also, um, of course, then drawing together uh, the temptation, which we heard yesterday from Genesis 3, um, which comes after that, actually, those events which are told later, but actually come before, and then also Jesus defying Satan in the wilderness uh, in Matthew 4 and elsewhere, all right? So, uh, brings it all together quite nicely. Good hymn for this week. We'll concentrate on stanzas one through four. We might sing the rest later. All right, um, enjoy the day. It's a little snowy this morning, although it's light lightened up now. It's good to have you all here. I see Michael, Don and Karen, Karen, Gus and Eileen, um, Grace, Chris, good to have you again. Glad you could join us. All right, so Lord's blessings on your day. Uh, try to stay safe if you have to go out driving this morning. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you again tomorrow for our congregation of prayer.